0: In today's world, we are increasingly dependent on technology. Our business and personal lives rely on it, but as you've probably noticed, it's unreliable. They promise it'll get better, but it usually gets worse. Our computers are slow, so we end up squinting at smartphones and tablets. We live in constant fear that something's going to happen to our personal data, so we're scared into paying for fake protection that proves useless when disaster strikes. Update attacks, fake Wi-Fi, cloud control, and other industry scandals are designed to keep the money flowing. The jokers we pay to fix our stuff have no clue what they're doing, so they do a virus scan and then wipe out our precious photos. Intelligent, successful people feel intimidated by the chaos and think it's somehow their fault. If they only knew what the industry was doing to them, they'd get torches and pitchforks. If only we had someone to explain it all in plain English so we can start protecting ourselves. Oh, wait, we do. It's the Computer Exorcist podcast with your host, Mark Anthony Arena.
1: from the Wallace Memorial microphone in my home office overlooking the hills of western New York. It's the Computer Exorcist podcast. My name is Mark Anthony Arena, and I am thrilled to be here with you as always. Um, Number one, one little announcement before we start. I just want to celebrate our 1500th download. Uh, So I started the show at the beginning of this year, And here we are halfway through the year, and I'm so uh, grateful to all of you listeners out there who've been telling your friends, we just hit 1,500 downloads. I couldn't be happier. Um, I'm just so thrilled, and I'm on the Red Circle platform, and they give me very simple analytics, and they told me that, and yay. So, um, I have really special guests for you guys, as always. Uh, Hopefully you agree that I find really interesting guests. Hopefully you like them. Uh, so today, it's not just me barking at you. It's not. It's not me tormenting scammers. Today we have a real guest. She is an executive coach, I believe, and she is the. She rules all of this online work from home, online training stuff. That's what she does, and she's the authority on that. Cassie Labori, tell us about you.
2: <laughs> Thanks for having me here today. Exciting that we won't be barking at people. <laughs> <laughs> I like
1: that. You got to listen to my solo episodes and you'll, you'll hear barking.
2: That's where the barking comes well, from. Well, complaining. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. I, I know about this complaining of which you speak.
1: Funny. <laughs> You've known me for more than five minutes.
2: <laughs> That's funny. Uh, as you said, my name is Cassie Labori. Thank you for having me here today. Uh, more of a virtual training consultant and uh, remote work uh, professional and a professional speaker as well, so less of an executive coach and more on that side. And uh, what I do is I help people not hate working online and uh, being online, and I've worked in learning and development for the last about 24 years, Uh, so helping global um, learning and development teams figure out how to do training using their computers and internet connections, and uh, that. Used to not make any sense to anyone. And then that thing happened in March of 2020. And everyone was like, wait, that's the thing you've been talking about for all these years. Uh, Can you help us not hate everything about it and be more effective and be able to connect with human beings through these computer connections that
1: exist? You've been doing this 24 years?
2: I've been doing it a very long time and I've even written books on it. So
1: (laughs) Uh, you yeah. know, it's funny because I'm imagining like 24 years ago, right? Like Intel had a very rudimentary webcam and, right. you know, they had rudimentary Wi Fi. And I'm thinking, like, I'm imagining the, the Pee Wee Herman phone booth where you get the can with the string on it and,
2: hey, John B, and It wasn't far from that. And oh, love loved, it, that. loved that the Pee Wee Herman character. And yeah, all RIP.
1: And, yeah. yeah. Oh, my
2: gosh. But, um, Yeah, you're not far from that. I worked at uh, WebEx, it was 1999. I was uh, living in San Francisco. I now live in Rochester, New York. And uh, I was driving down the 101 and I saw a billboard featuring RuPaul. And it said, we've got to start meeting like this, webex.com. And I'm like, I wanna work there, that looks (sighs) fun. And I went and interviewed and got a job as a product trainer with Webex. And, you know, at the time, I didn't think of it as anything more than a cool Silicon Valley job to have. I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area during a very hot tech time, and it was just another cool job to have. I did not in any way think that it would form the basis for what would become my entire career and ultimately what I'm very interested in helping people be good at doing today you know, I was just going to take my skills to teach people software and help them learn how to use this software. But I do have a background in, uh, in performance, acting, theater, and public speaking and communication. And so for me, it very quickly became about, oh, wait, this is a cool piece of software, but it is one that is about having people communicate with each other. And so where I live today is very much in the, how do we get the Technology out of the way and stop also blaming it for poor communication habits and behaviors.
1: Wow. You getting know? technology out of the way. Uh that that could be our title for the episode here. It's <laughs> really good. Getting technology out of the way. Uh, you know, and and back then, folks, Cisco was the only way to go pretty much. If you wanted to do any kind of video conferencing and you weren't on like NBC or something, like that was the way to do. You hired Cisco, you did you did video well, conference that, that is- way.
2: Webex wasn't even Cisco when I worked at it.
1: Oh, right, right, right. Webex was bought by them later, right?
2: Later, yeah. But, you know, I remember the day that Microsoft was walking around the office and Microsoft was trying to buy it first, but they ended up (sighs) going for uh, a a product that was called Placeware and they built live meeting from Placeware and then then they acquired Skype, turned that into Skype for business and now we have what is today Teams and all of that. Uh, and then also the the man who is the the creator of Zoom, Eric Yuan, he was the software engineer at Webex when I worked there, and so he no was part of that whole team. So he he initially was Webex, and then he said, "I want to do something different" because they took it down a different path, and so now you have the Zoom of today.
1: Really? And WebEx is great for companies, but it sounds like Zoom is good for more for individuals, you know, Bible club meetings and, and smaller stuff as I well. I know. Business. I
2: mean, you know, they're all competing with each other, all doing the same things. Whatever Zoom is doing, Teams tries to do. Whatever Teams does, WebEx is like, I better do that, too. I think they're all trying to compete in all those workspaces. And yeah. from from what I'm seeing now is very, very interesting because what it creates, you know, competition creates excitement and uh and and innovation, right? So we're starting to see features that I I, I hadn't even thought of way back when I first began, you know?
1: Oh, of the things so- competition, right. And that's something that's one of my my big pet peeves is when a company comes in, you know, in my opinion, when a company starts up they start up with the intention of becoming a monopoly, right? And even if they don't have 100% market share, a monopoly in that way, they still want to monopolize your life, so to speak, and be your platform and and have you intertwined with them and and get you addicted with certain features that you feel you can't live without. And so what I say in my book is that they want to treat you like a monopoly, even if they don't own the whole market.
2: (laughs) That's funny. I do remember the early days of working at WebEx, uh being in the you know onboarding training and them saying listen we want webex to be like the word you use for when you meet online so just like when you make a xerox
1: xerox or kleenex
2: yeah or i need a kleenex um we need to webex that's what they wanted and why they were going with the name of it that way too because you know it had a different name before it was webex this is some deep trivia here um in WebEx, there, there was an original name to the company. It was not WebEx. It was something else. And there is remnants of that original name in the files in WebEx to this day. So any of the WebEx users out there, if you've ever created a poll, uh, you know that the file extension for the poll file is .atp.
1: What did that say Why for? is
2: that the file extension? What is well, that? it goes back. To the original name of the company, the original awkward name of the company, is Active Touch, and so .dot ATP is an Active Touch
1: pull. Oh, that's cool <laughs> trivia! I didn't know that one. That's cool. That's like deep trivia. <laughs> That's interesting. Uh, and, and the other examples like Zoom, right? Now it's, oh, I'll Zoom you later. I'm going into a Zoom, even if I don't use Zoom specifically. It's a, or, or Google, go Google it. Yeah. Right? And
2: all video conferencing fatigue is Zoom fatigue.
1: It's called technically Zoom technically
2: it's video conference fatigue, right? It's not Zoomity, but but Zoom. And so I don't think Zoom dislikes that label <laughs> yeah. as much as people might say, oh, I am Zoom fatigue. They're happy that you're still putting the word out there with the name, uh, to your point about being a software that is all things for all people.
1: Wow, that's interesting. And and we currently, we're using something called Jitsi, and I recommend this for people who want extremely simple. You don't even have to install it. It's uh, I like Zoom, but this is even easier. You just go to meet.jit.si. That's M-E-E-T dot J-I-T dot S-I. Uh, say that 10 times fast. Um, meet.jitsi, and then you just type in the name of a room and you are done. You don't install anything, you don't do anything. It's great for my seniors. Um, so that's that's really cool. Um, yeah, what uh, what's your site by the way? I do a couple of plugs before I throw some articles at you. Uh,
2: thank you. Yeah, uh, so you can get a hold of me right now today at consulting.com. And I spell and- my name a little differently. It's K-A-S-S-Y, CassieConsulting.com. And uh, there's all sorts of uh, resources on how to do virtual training, meetings, and webinars there for you. Resources and tools and uh, ideas and strategies. So, yeah, I look forward to meeting more people and learning what, uh, what you're doing with your virtual training and online meeting world.
1: I tell you, you fell into the right thing and especially like combining your, your acting skills and all your training, as far as that goes and the speaking skills like that. Wow. <laughs> it's
2: um, good times. It's fun. You know, who knew too? I can't say that I was like, hmm, I'm in college and I'm going to go and be a virtual training consultant in the future. You know, right? I've, I've, I don't have that. And that seems to be a normal path in my life where people are like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Um... <laughs> you know and even like what's your favorite color uh glitter you know like it's not (laughs) I'm always the one who can't pick the thing because the thing doesn't seem to fall into any specific bucket or be an exact thing and so I'm always in this place of creating what I'm what I want to do which initially is painful but then ultimately I'm like oh it's cool look at where I live today you know what I'm doing
1: Oh that's all oh, that's so true. And 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 I get you. Like I'm I'm certain probably not as smart as you, but I I'm also a nonconformist with a high IQ and I find the world frustrating most of the time. And I just wrote an audition document where I auditioned about a dozen uh site builder tools where I can make my own website, right? It's supposed to be simple. I've been doing this for years. But all the new site builder tools have billions and trillions and zillions of features so there's just no way to get a hold of it all. And every time you do something, you click on it and drag it and it explodes and things change on you and you can never find what you want. And I'm just trying to turn off everything pretty much. I want a simple site. Um, eventually, I found one called web.com this morning after a couple of months of just fighting with all these brands.
2: Wow. it's <sighs> Very interesting. I know we, we want simplicity. We want options, but we want simplicity. And it seems in, in the world of software development that... It's not simple to create and offer options. If if you want all the options, then it would become complex. So, you know, we we have this dichotomy that we live in.
1: (laughs) You know, let me tell you, like, I always equate it to a shift handle in a car, right? There are some cars that have a shift handle that's shaped like your hand, you know, and there's ridges and it's supposed to. But I prefer a simple one, like the old fashioned simple shift handle. It's just a part, right? It's a simple um, and I've I've learned in my life that as long as you don't ask anything out of your technology, I just look for the simplest thing. And I'm certainly willing to give up features if I can get stability and reliability, which is what I value, right? I value simplicity. But I, mm-hmm. I had to work through that in my head where it's like, okay, Mark, you know what? You want all the bells and whistles, but then you end up getting a Ferrari or a BMW where you get all the bells and whistles, but you lose the simplicity. Um, right. So I've had to teach myself that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, look, at you saw my car. I have an 04 Chrysler with no computers, <laughs> no features. It has a radio and a steering wheel and nothing else. And I've never had a better experience.
2: <laughs> I'm not there yet. I still go for I want all the stuff, but I do desire the simplicity. I do uh, sometimes decorate cakes and uh, less is always more people. Less is always more.
1: That's cool. Yeah. And if you enjoy it, great. You know, I'm not knocking your car, but...
2: We've all seen that over decorated cake.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Or the, the gaudy houses. I was just... My dad was talking yesterday about some house that was really gaudy. And Okay. So it's time to throw some articles at you if you're a newbie to the show. Um, instead of an article, I'm going to read um, excerpts from a book. Uh, one of my brothers gave me this book. It's called The Company. A Short History of a Revolutionary Idea by the the British guys uh, John Micklethwaite and Adrian Woolridge. And just a fascinating look at, at the origin of companies, right? If you remember, well, I mean, way back, actually, right, you had individual merchants and artisans, right, in ancient times. And then in Roman times, they would pay someone to take care of their estates and all that and then by the time the colonial period came along they had like the dutch east india company and the 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 um it was called the dutch voc and then you had the english east india company right and those companies were sanctioned by the state it was very difficult to get this license from the crown to start a company right and do you know the trivia here where the word company comes from you know that compane in latin means to share some bread or to, to break bread with someone
2: oh
1: isn't that cool wow
2: that is cool right and,
1: and like i took latin good. and but it wasn't until this book that made me realize oh yeah that is what those words are oh right that makes I love sense
2: that. i love origin yeah. stories
1: yeah i love those yeah absolutely and and um is it etymology or entomology yeah. it's etymology the original I mean, words I mean. yeah yeah etymology so, the company, and I had a great little time reading this book, and it explained how later on it became a lot easier to start your own company. Just a couple of weeks ago, I sent a letter to the New York State Department of State saying that I want to be also known as the computer exorcist. So, my company is Technosophy LLC, also known as Computer Exorcist. I mailed them a letter and sent them 40 bucks, and that was it, right? It's so easy. I didn't have to ask a king And we can all start, you know, you and I can make a business very easily. As much as I bark about New York state, um, we can make a business very easily and I encourage all of you to start a small business. (sighs) So I'm going to read a couple excerpts and just kind of, you know, raise your hand at me when you want to uh, comment on it. How's that?
2: Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
1: Um, they get into a lot of, a lot of things about joint stock companies and just how companies differ right culturally between england and germany and the u.s and all that how how we just we treat them differently how sometimes they're seen as adversaries to government as opposed to allies of government and and how sometimes the line is blurred right look at the bbc something like that so let's see here um The third and most important thing that provided a bedrock of support for the company came down to a simple proposition the company was making America richer. In his essay, Why is There No Socialism in the US? Werner Sombart, a German sociologist, argued that on the reefs of roast beef and apple pie, socialist utopias of every sort are sent to their doom the new companies plainly improved the living standards of millions of ordinary people, putting the luxuries of the rich within the reach of the man in the street. Right. And by the way, we always say like, we all live like Kings, like you and I today as middle-class people in Rochester live better than some King a couple hundred years ago. That's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: so brought the luxuries of the rich within reach of the man in the street. When Henry Ford went into the car business, uh, it was Devoted to handcrafting toys for the super rich originally, but by 1917 he had sold 1.5 million Model Ts. And when our neighbor George Eastman, uh, uh, he's a neighbor of ours here, uh, purchased his first camera in November of 1877, cost him $49.58, which was a lot back then, and nowadays it'll buy an ice cream cone, and it was so difficult to use that he had to pay five whole dollars for lessons. But by 1900, his brownie automatic cost a dollar and was marketed under the slogan, you push the button and we do the rest. Mm. What do you think so far?
2: It just immediately, because of the world that I work in, what it's making me think of, there's a theme of accessibility there. As we are talking about making, um, you said the luxury available to everyone, you know, you live like kings. It makes me think of, what happened with zoom of course i'm going to bring it back to being online my entire career working in this world of teaching people how to be using uh, how to be in an online meeting and use the tool to do it would always start with are we going to be on camera is there a camera can you make the camera work even back in the 90s early 2000s people were wondering about that because we kind of i think we come from you know we, well, A, we're humans. We communicate nonverbally. We like to see each other. It's how we begin our, our our communications. And so video conferencing, you know, makes it seem like it's the way to go. And so I would always have to have this conversation around, well, radio has been around 100 plus years and they've been quite successful. So we can we can communicate as though we are on radio, but nobody ever came to the training or most people didn't with that idea. They came with it, can I see you so that we can then work together? Can I see you so that we can then teach each other? And what happens with Zoom is that Zoom comes along, like you talk about Eastman making the camera more accessible, didn't need the lessons, easier to use. That's what Zoom did. Zoom said, we're gonna make the video camera the easiest thing to use and make it the first thing that happens. And then we'll add in all of the rest. And then they well, you know, brilliantly offered it free for the masses as well. But because it broke the webcam barrier, it made it so that people were more open to using it. And I've watched that happen because I've been begging people to use it since the beginning of it. And you know, we, we needed the 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 push that happened in the world to force people to go online in the way that we did. If you're saying that we need people to be online, if that's the world you live in and care about. Uh but up until then, it still was so hard. Like if you can recall, Mark Anthony, a long time ago, like you talk about the Cisco days. And so it is so difficult to do an online meeting, like trying to get the audio to work and understanding the Internet and logging in and making it work. is Nothing but barriers. Zoom made it just press one button and we're on the camera smiling at each other like a FaceTime call,
1: which we were already used to. We were already used to by then. Right. And getting society used to something. Right. That's that's a huge thing is getting people used to it. And 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 people it's it's you know, in my head, I think about this. It's either something that's kind of foisted and forced on society or it's something where people adopt it because they like it. Right. It's, it's something yeah. like that it's either way.
2: But it's like, even in the case of Zoom, because Zoom existed before March of 2020 and uh, people weren't using it at the level they began using it until we had this other outside need push that came in. But the reason people went towards Zoom yeah, instead of to WebEx other, or the yeah. others, WebEx is difficult to make it work on your system. Not everybody has a job where they had Microsoft Teams built into their their systems, you know, they're not using that. Um, Lucky them, right?
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> but, I was going to say, Microsoft Teams, watch your mouth. This is a family show.
2: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know how to say that. I can only say that here for you. Yes, guess to me, ultimately, the platform doesn't matter as long as it works and doesn't get in the way of me connecting with people. Uh, but Zoom made it easy and really? accessible. And that's what you know we're talking about with uh, Eastman and then ultimately what Henry Ford did and making things more available to the masses, that's You know, which so then beg the question on the other side of what is luxury? And do we need it? And why does the royal thing even exist anymore?
1: <laughs> and and yeah, yeah. And, and actually, that's a great question. Because in my eyes, I mean, I personally think luxury for me is about simplicity. I say that on my website, we consider we make luxury in simplicity. Uh, I just want to go somewhere like I was coming home from a vacation early this year and I just went to the hotel room and just, it was utterly quiet. There was nothing going on. And I was able to type my important work. I was typing on my laptop, um, but I get it. Some people want, like you said, the bells and whistles. They consider that luxury. Um, and you right. know what? It's, yeah.
2: Like in my world too, like I, because like I mentioned, I work in le- learning and development, which is training. We're teaching people and you, the big topic, if you ask any trainer, anyone who works in learning and development, one of the biggest topics, there's several, but one of the biggest ones is you have to engage the learner to want to be there and then engage with the learning. And engagement is such a big thing. And so I think that is where simplicity... So for me, simplicity is the first engagement because if I can't connect with you, you know, if there's so many barriers for the login and you can't figure out the interface, I'm not getting to the teaching of anything, because we're just trying to connect. So I need the barrier to entry to be very simple. And then you and then that that's a whole other thing with security. So I don't even want to talk about that today. But security is the reason for the barriers of entry, right? Oh,
1: absolutely. it's infuriating. The two-factor scandal and the logging in and the paranoia. None of it actually of
2: helps coming in, all, the, all the nefarious people that are like taking over and doing things that are just totally unacceptable. All that. So it's completely... I get it. But at the same time, if it's so hard to get in and you're trying to teach people complex leadership strategy uh, and effective communication tools and techniques, they're just trying to figure out the password.
1: Right, right. And, And the guy who gave me this microphone, the Wallace Memorial microphone, told me, he said, Mark, you always make things transparent to the user. Right. And I try to do that. To me, Zoom is still too hard for my seniors. And I, it's still too annoying for me. And that's why I try to use Jitsi. But are just
2: your seniors. They're the only ones. A right. senior taught me how to use Zoom, by the way. <laughs> wow.
1: I love that. But, but, but it, still, I mean, even yeah. that, like I'm a perfectionist and even that is too much for me. You know, I want something even simpler.
2: But the thing that happens is that as soon as it is simple and they're in and they're good, it's never good enough. And so that's where it comes in to the complexity of, well, I need to engage you. So now I need fancy virtual backgrounds and emojis. And I need to be able to do this, do that. You know, the long list of things. The
1: button that raises your hand. I mean, I physically raise my hand just to spite the button.
2: That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like all the stuff. I'm, I'm okay. I'm on board with all of it because I'm just open to. There are so many different ways that people gather, and there's so many different things that people need based on who they are, where they come from, and it might, might be happening with, with them um, culturally, um, biologically, physically, mentally, whatever it is, you know. And so I'm, I'm thankful for all the options, but that is the opposite of simple. And so the tool that can offer the options and maintain the simplicity is, is the brilliant tool in, in the meeting, online meeting space. And right now that for me is still Zoom because you can simplify Zoom uh, and you can at the same time have features that are way past any of the others right now. I just can't even believe some of the stuff that I'm seeing come out of it. It's amazing.
1: Hmm and and awesome. you know i i pride myself on simplifying people's experience in general because it's just it's yeah. so overwhelming because each com it's just like when i was at RAT each professor thought he was your only professor so each of these companies thinks they're your only concern yeah, right yeah. and there's so many pop-ups and yeah uh, i mean that's but-
2: what i do a lot in, in any training that i'm doing everything's got to be simple at first because it becomes complex very quickly um uh, in in a lot of times on the content itself on whatever we might be learning it's already going to be difficult. And so the, the 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 moments that we have together, what's bringing us together needs to be simple. Um, and then within that, you know, we work up to uh, additional options of more because people always want more as soon as they get the simple and they get past it. Because also simple is in the eye of the beholder, you know, in the hands of the typist, right? Simple for me is simple for the next person. is different for the next person.
1: Sure. And my apprentice tells me all the time, he goes, Mark, this stuff is simple for you, but you don't understand. Like even for a normal intelligent technician, it's a lot. Right. Um, all right. One last little clip here. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Oppression in every shape has ground the faces of the poor defenseless natives and tyranny and her bloodless form has stalked abroad. Uh, this <laughs> tradition of exploitation certainly continued into the 19th century. Ta-da, 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 ta-da. But by the late 20th century, the sins of the multinationals, with few exceptions such as ITT, tended to be less of commission than of omission. Um, and what they're saying is that they're talking about the history of, of some companies having history of brutality, you know, in a historical sense um but i i equated it to today i mean this this book was published around 03 so and they they did a little blurb at the end about this new place called silicon valley that is promising but little did they know and uh, that um and maybe i should come up with a little addendum for the book and mail it out to people but little did they know in my opinion how controlling silicon valley has become right it's it's one thing to make a lot of money and that's great but if you start controlling your users, and, and we don't have time to get into it, but I'm, I'm writing a little speech right now about the Apple T2 scandal, uh, where, where Apple's not satisfied being that admirable company that they used to be, competing on merit and quality. Now the products they make are infected with a T2 chip, which explodes and shames you if you try to take apart your Apple product and repair it. It shuts the system down and renders the machine unusable. And the only way to to stop this is to to bring the machine to Apple and beg for their forgiveness and have a central computer reactivate it. Wow. People aren't going to learn this until five years from now. The T2 scandal started at the end of 2017. So you're going to see people like three, four, five years from now as their Apple products start dying. And what do you mean I'm not allowed to upgrade or repair my product, right? It,
2: yeah. Wow. Boy, there's some scary... I can, I can always count on you for the scary information. <laughs>
1: Right, right. There's also the iCloud lock scandal. I mean, it was bad enough that that earlier that year they started designing motherboards as all one piece, right? So if your hard drive failed, in every other situation, I plop a new hard drive in there and I rescue your data. But in Apple's case, it's one motherboard. It's dead forever. You just, it's one motherboard and it's roasted. There's one man in New York City named Louis Rossman who can harvest information from your Apple board or fix the Apple board. But anyway, if that's not bad enough, they added the T2 chip scandal. And if that's not bad enough, one last thing is the iCloud lock scandal, where if you don't click sign out of your Apple phone or computer or whatever, and then it asks you for your password, and of course, who remembers their iCloud password, right? So if you don't sign out properly and know your iCloud password and put it in properly, guess what happens? renders itself unusable forever so you can't resell the product or erase it or give it to the poor or whatever it's just a three thousand dollar throwaway paper cup
2: why do they do this what's the motivation
1: because no one knows it's happening right so they're hoping and that's my goal with giving the speeches and doing the show is that if people knew what was happening they'd get torches and pitchforks that's the intro to this show right
2: why do they but why is it happening? They're not doing it because no one knows. What is their what's their goal for doing it?
1: Their goal is so that you put this three thousand dollar product in the garbage and buy another one instead of reselling it and having someone else buy a used product.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow.
1: But they claim it's for your security.
2: Yeah, interesting. Wow. I I don't even know what to say about something like that. That's going into the world of I'm thankful that there are IT people out there paying attention to such things in my life (laughs) because I'm the average user who wouldn't know I'm the person, you know? And
1: you're the intelligent, successful person I always talk about, right? I always say, I mean, I talk about everyone and not you, but I'm just saying you're one of those people I talk about, you know, you're no dummy. And if you don't know this is going on, and unfortunately a lot of it guys just throw their hands up. Well, it's the way of the world. It's the will of Microsoft. And there's nothing I can do.
2: Mm, Interesting. I think, um, you know, for me, I don't have any intention of ever reselling any Apple product or any tech for that matter. I don't care. So for me, there is, you know, for them an advantage because I I don't mind a new thing every couple of years. I've already bought into that, that culture because I just don't care that much.
1: I mean, obviously I'm
2: questioning it today as I am listening to you, but I kind of just don't care. I have other things I'm caring about.
1: (laughs) Exactly. People are
2: away with it too, right?
1: Right. People are busy workers and busy parents and whatever, and they don't have time to worry about this kind of stuff. So that's Yeah. But it's just makes you think. You know, And, and the fact that it's controlled by them, by the way, you're not allowed to use it after a certain point, right? And even if you want to keep it forever, you're not allowed to repair it and so on and so forth. Um, so yeah, well, uh, you want to wrap it up and, and say some more about your, so you are a virtual training coach. Is that right?
2: Yeah. I help people figure out virtual training. I, I certify people to be virtual trainers, facilitators, instructional designers, and producers. And, uh, I work with organizations to help them be more effective when they are meeting online.
1: Uh-huh. Love it. Yeah. Cause we're all doing it now. We're all meeting online and we're all kind of a, uh, what do you call a fish out of water?
2: Yeah, I know. I have a, uh, a moment where I'll ask people, uh, you know, I think, I think we make meeting online weird. We make it weird. And, and if you don't necessarily understand what I mean by that, or believe me, then ask yourself this. Have you ever heard someone else say, if only we could get together in person then we'd be better at it. And if you believe that or have said that or heard someone else say that, then what's happening there is you've got a mindset that we're not going to be able to be successful with this way of meeting this online way that because we will be in person, we will automatically have everything be great. And it's just, I wonder what is there. And I will often say to people as I work with them to help them develop their online presentation skills, they'll say, well, you know what? I just can't connect with people online. It's not the same. And I go, okay, show me what it's like to be in your online meeting. Show me what you do.
1: Hmm. Yeah. It
2: take very long. I go, yep, you're making it weird.
1: <laughs> how? I mean, first of all, how do you, you must have this natural instinct, but but how do you, what kind of examples? How are they making it weird?
2: One of the most common ways that people make it weird is that they think that we're hanging on your every word. And so they decide that they're going to present everything, tell you everything and then do everything and then ask you questions and wonder why you have no questions. Hmm. It's pretty common in an online meeting that I'll just let me run through all of this and then hold your questions till the end. Right.
1: And now, I mean, it's not like you're, you're sitting in a boardroom, you know, doodling in a notebook. You're hanging out in your, in your house and there's plenty of distractions, right? You might be... Nobody's
2: I, listening to you. Nobody's hanging on your every word. So wow. we have to make an active effort. I have a principle. I call it the engagement principle. The next time you're planning to present online, ask yourself this. What do I plan to say or do that my audience could say or do instead. Hmm. So for example, if I have, let's say, um, a series of like leading practices on how to look great on webcam, the default would be to list those leading practices on a slide and then read them to you and then say, these are the practices. What do you, you know, what questions do you have? I've already read them all to you. I've told you what I think about all of them. What questions do you have? And no one has any questions. They're done there. They, they checked out after three minutes. That's what the research shows. Wow. So what you, minutes, what I do instead is yeah. I'll bring up the list of practices. But first I'll tell a story about getting lost on the internet, wondering how I could look great on webcam. Oh, and if you'd stories. like to get lost, if you'd like to get lost researching how to look great on webcam for the next three weeks, then Just open up your tab and and type that in. But if you would rather just know right now, I've already done the research for you and I've gathered the top five things you can do right now.
1: So all of a sudden they see that value right then and there. Well, I do that too. Or, or it's, I talk about that, the Omaha stakes principle, right? You call Omaha stakes and they say, oh, you're getting a lot of steak and it's a $200 value, but we're going to give it to you for a hundred. Right? So people know they're getting a better deal by listening. Game. Game.
2: Yeah, exactly. And so I go, look, here's the five. I already did the work for you. Take a moment to review the five yourself. <sighs> I'm not going to read them to you. And then, you know, and I make sure that I have wow. handouts for you know, people that are using any kind of e-readers or anything that need assistance. So it's accessible to all, but I let them review the five things. Let's say they're five. And then when I go, when you're done reading the five, click on that raised hand that you don't like, Mark Dankeny. Uh <laughs> click on that raise hand button and I'll, I'll wait until you're all done. And then I'm quiet and I have a glass of water so that I'm not talking over them reading. Oh. And then when I see all the little hands up, or at least most of them, I go, all right, Never fails. You all can read faster than I can read to you. So let's do this. What do you want to talk about? And then I ask them to use the annotation tools, the pointers or the stamps or whatever I have available. And I have them type their names next to the points they want to discuss.
1: Tailoring it to them and their needs. And
2: then it's their stories and their ideas. And I'm like, maybe you disagree with one of these. That's okay. Maybe you've got a question. Maybe you've got a story whatever it is, let's have a conversation around these. And they drive the conversation. And I can fill in with my amazing key points I needed to make if needed. And if something doesn't get covered, then I just cover it quickly and we move on. And then this is personalized to them, their stories, their ideas. And then this idea that you can't get to know people online. Well, that just let me get to know you.
1: Uh, and, and, you know, again, it's, it's the, when they see that one way street of you just droning on and on or some, uh, uh who's the, um, uh, Ben Stein, right? Bueller, Bueller, yeah, I was just watching exactly. that yesterday. Yeah. And, and so their, their subconscious checks out like, all right, cool. You know, and I could sit here and kick my feet up and. And I was in a Zoom earlier, and I was eating broccoli and just kind of half listening to people, and I was doing this other thing. And
2: oh, right. Because there's no reason. Rug, so, yeah. so it's their responsibility as meeting leaders and presenters to say, rather than say, I can't connect online, to then say to yourself, well, what am I doing to connect with you online?
1: And making what them making like them I'll, I'm like oh shoot I got to pay attention here she's gonna want some responses and like oh I'm well, learning from myself about me, like,
2: it's about you and like what do you want to say about this you know and like yeah and people do have a desire like you said they, people want to do the right thing you know mostly mostly yeah. <laughs> except wow. for those nefarious ones we talked about who bombed the meetings yeah but,
1: wow all right you know. so it, it took until the end of this talk but I I was waiting for some kind of brilliance from you and I am not disappointed.
2: It took until the end of the talk to get to the brilliance. Yeah, well,
1: because I was bar- I was droning on and on about my articles. But uh, <laughs> wow, so insightful. Um, if you need someone in- to teach your employees or to do some kind of training, I think I just found someone for you, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks,
2: Mark Anthony. I'm, um, right now, it was interesting because these topics that we just discussed, uh, they're in a new keynote speech that I have written. And okay. uh, that speech is called Irresistibly Remote. The power of connection, one online meeting at a time. And so some of the things that I just discussed there, that was one of those principles and just different ways that we can approach uh, how we meet online, get out of our own way and start to truly and authentically create connection and belonging in this digital world that we're in today.
1: Wow. You know, I've, I've been doing um, couple.com lately. It's It's video speed dating. And, nice. and it's great. You know, I would have never gone to an awkward in-person one or whatever, but I've been doing this because I can meet people from all around the world. And it's great. And and like you said, that sense of belonging at the end of the speed dating, at the end of the first hour, a whole pile of us people from all over the world just sit there and talk to each other for at least two hours. And we do have this, you know, friendship and belonging. So it is possible.
2: It's possible. We just have to make way for it. And we have to stop saying that because we're online, we cannot. because it's online it's a less than experience it's like actually because we are online we have an opportunity to do it differently than we've done before and and if we can get that mindset uh in in our you know in inside of us and in our own bodies in our own minds then we can start to make space for what is to come because technology is going to continue to change and it's going to be Like I mentioned, there's features today and ways to meet today that I could have never even imagined when I first started this. And so, what does that mean for the next five, 10, 15 years? And I don't want to be the person who says online is less than. I want to be the person who says, whoa, there's cool stuff coming. What's going to happen?
1: Yeah, well, I, yeah, you you aren't burned out like I am, so you're actually open to what's next, but I just want to retire and I want all the features to stop. Um, you know, I think it was my brother who said that meeting in person um are, you you get these, you know, the the minute body language and and like pheromones and and things that are just this really subconscious stuff that we don't even realize is happening. So, I mean, obviously meeting in person is the best, but what you're helping us to do then is, is make the best of this.
2: And like learn how to make it comfortable enough to do those things. I mean, I don't, I don't, we're not at a place yet where the pheromones are coming through the internet. Huh. Maybe that's a good thing, but yeah. it's, it's more like, how, how can we be comfortable? How do we do the things that we need to do using the tools that we have? And rather than just walking into it and presuming it will be less than what if we walked into it saying it will be exactly the same it will be certainly equal to and in some cases better than
1: sure because i can talk to people from around the world that's that's awesome that i couldn't do before
2: and so what do we have And like at what point are we going to stop comparing to what we've always known and start saying well wait what is available what's new what's different and was it really better than was it really better to be around the water cooler? Yeah, I don't know. No. For some people, yes. But you know what? For a lot of people, it wasn't.
1: Sure. I mean, I still go to Starbucks mm-hmm. on days that I don't want to work home alone, right? Just to be around people. And maybe once in a while, you get a smile and nod out of someone. Or I go to car shows to chew the fat with real people next to me and and, and that. So it's important to have a little human connection there. Absolutely.
2: Right. Like, How do we bring the humanity to this and in ways that are respectful and um, and and accessible and inclusive and safe too, because I think that the the safety is a big thing, you know, and and, and people doing things that are dangerous are, are what keep people from being more comfortable. And so there's we're just gonna have to we have a culture shift, I think, and um and just places for people to remain safe too, always. Yeah, as know. we've developed in the world, you know, like how we make it safe to go to Starbucks. What do we have to do? And, and and frankly, it's not always. So there's that too, but it's very complex all of a sudden. I think we've got a great episode here. We better stop before think, we get into episode number two.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we hit the 45 minute mark. So Cassie labori thank you so much. You are brilliant. And K-A-S-S-Y Consulting.com, is that right?
2: That's perfect. Thank you.
1: Okay, uh, thanks for listening and talk to you later. Thanks for having me. And if you haven't done so already, grab a copy of my book for all your friends. It's called How to Protect Yourself from Your Computer, and it explains the tech industry in plain English, available wherever books are sold, or on my website, thecomputerexorcist.com.